Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying we will be made free? Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise you, O Christ. You all may be seen. I invite children up. 2,000 years ago, the church had a crisis on its its hands. People who St. Paul called Judaizers were coming to St. Paul's mostly Gentile congregations and telling them that they could not be a part of God's covenant unless all the males were circumcised. That baptism wasn't enough And you can imagine any adult male hearing this, it put an undue burden on their conscience. And unfortunately, many believed what these Judaizers were saying to be true and were abandoning their baptism and turning to the law. They were turning to circumcision for salvation. They believed that baptism wasn't enough in order to be saved. And so Paul heard about this and he wrote to one of his congregations, were practicing this teaching and this false gospel. Paul was furious because he knew the power that baptism held for the believer. Baptism means that we are brought into God's covenant that God first made with Abraham. Baptism means we need not worry about following the law exactly as it is written. We need not worry about meriting God's love. Baptism means freedom. Freedom for the Christian, and this freedom should not have any extra addendums attached to it. Because if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. St. Paul believed that the message preached by the Judaizers had the ability to obliterate the believer's ability to enter into the glory of God. Because the Christian no longer put their faith in God to save them, and rather in their own abilities. By trusting in the law, You are counting on your own ability and your own works, your own faith to save you, rather than the faith of Christ and the power of our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. The church overcame this controversy around baptism and circumcision, but this doesn't mean it didn't cause division in the church. Paul writes about the divisions in his letter to the Galatians. It seems that he did some irreparable harm with his relationship with the other apostles. According to Paul, Peter would say baptism was enough, but as soon as he was around other apostolic leaders, when they would show up, he would change his tune. According to Galatians, Paul stood up to Peter. Paul writes, I opposed Peter to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate. For the fear of the circumcision fraction. 
can almost input, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. This controversy, at least from the eyes of Paul, challenged the early church's perception of who was entitled to the gospel. Is the gospel open to all, or is it just to those who are Jewish converts? Those who obey the law? Who can be saved? Paul believed with all of his heart and mind that the gospel was for all people, and he was willing to challenge the leadership of the church until they changed their ways. He was willing to put his life and reputation on the line to defend the gospel, to defend the proclamation of the gospel to all people who wish to be baptized, to defend the gospel truth that baptism is enough to be saved. As Paul says in Romans 3, For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from the works prescribed by the law. Now fast forward 500 some years. We meet a monk who is very troubled in body and mind and soul. After years of worrying about his own salvation, he was asked to teach a class on the book of Romans. He never read the Bible before this. He was trained to do one thing as a priest, to say the Mass. So he begins his preparation for teaching this class by translating the book of Romans. He read in Romans 5, 1, Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was in preparing to teach this class that Martin Luther's eyes were opened. And for the first time in a long time, Luther found peace for his soul. But then comes a sale of indulgences and a priest named John Tetzel. And Tetzel pushed indulgences on the people, people in Luther's congregation, claiming that with this paper they could get away anyone out of purgatory they wanted or be forgiven for the most horrible of sins. People were scared into believing Tetzel and took money from their family's income and to pay for a meaningless piece of paper. People were from Luther's church. People who could not afford to put food on the table for their families, they were tripped by a corrupt, tyrannical leader to buy this meaningless piece of paper. So Luther sat down and wrote an academic paper, the 95 Theses, and posted them in the hopes of having an academic debate on the sale of indulgences. He not only posted them in Latin, but eventually they were translated in German so that the average person could see and hear Luther's argument against the sale of indulgence. He refused to budge in his position against indulgences and was eventually excommunicated for his teaching and his words. He risked his life for the gospel. And if it not had been for the other princes of Germany who also believed the gospel truth of justification, Luther probably would have been killed. Luther's words divided the church, even though he had scripture on his side to back up his beliefs. His words and actions brought chaos. Yet even in these divisive times, the church still stood as one holy Catholic and apostolic church. 502 years after he first published the 95 Theses, we gather here together, carrying on that faithful tradition of standing up against those who oppose the gospel. Only our fight is not with the same challenger as it was 502 years ago. In many ways, as I've said in the past, the fights of the Reformation have ended. Rome and the Lutheran Church have signed documents, one on the joint declaration of justification and the other on the sale of indulgences. We believe the same thing about these two subjects. We believe the same thing about the Eucharist and baptism. Rome is not our enemy. 
We are our own worst enemy. There's not a day that goes by that I don't see somewhere on Facebook or read some article about how mainline churches are declining. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't see some article that claims if we do these ten easy steps, if we pay so much money to some kind of corporation, we can grow our churches at an unprecedented rate. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't hear people worrying about the future of the church. Yet in our own scriptures, Jesus says, You are Peter. And on this rock I will build the church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. This is what we hold to be true and self-evident, yet we don't hold it to be true in our hearts. I should note, though, that this promise from Jesus in Matthew's Gospel does not mean that our own set of Christianity will survive the test of time. You know, None of St. Paul's congregations are around today, but the church still stands. Congregations die just like people die, but there is resurrection and hope for congregations just as there is resurrection and hope for each of us. St. John's has survived a civil war battle, multiple civil war battles in town. It survived lightning strikes over the year. Our congregation has seen great loss. I mean, you go over to our historic cemetery, and you see so many graves of children. Parents lost children from our congregation. We said goodbye to a pastor who had been here for 38 years. How many people, when Pastor Riley left, thought that St. John's was going to crumble? Our congregation has faced great odds over the years, and yet we are still here, 244 years later. And that doesn't mean that we should just do whatever we want, spend whatever we want, do what everyone else is doing. That doesn't mean we should go through life without a care in the world. We need to be good stewards of the things God has placed us in charge of. Otherwise, they'll be taken away. We still need to be true to the gospel and be willing to die for what we believe to be true. You know, I think in some ways, most Christians love the church more than they love Jesus. We love this space, our piety, our music, our precious vessels, our youth, our choir, our leaders, our pastors. Maybe you love me sometimes, maybe you don't. We love all these things more than we love Jesus. We have turned these things into an idol in our God rather than worshiping Jesus Christ. For it is in Jesus Christ that we find freedom. Only the Son can set us free. None of these other things can set us free from our bondage to sin. And Christ has set you free. Free from sin. Free from the worry about whether or not we are good enough in God's eyes. Free from the pain of never knowing that our God is a God of love and mercy. We know Jesus Christ because we can read about him. There was a time and place in the church when this was not the norm. When only those who had high degrees of education could understand and read scripture. Yet we can read it in our own language. And we hear the word of God and know these words to be true and holy. We know Jesus Christ because we see him in the blessed sacrament. We know Jesus because we have been clothed in his presence of the gift of baptism. We have nothing to fear, my brothers and sisters, nothing at all, yet we are so very afraid of what the future might hold. The church will stand the test of time. The church will stand and prevail against death, against the devil, against a changing culture, against tyrants, and against corruption. The church will stand against all these things and so much more. And even though our congregation might not always be here, the gospel will be preached in our death. The gospel will be proclaimed through the sacraments in our absence. The church will stand. 
the Reformation gave us nothing else. It gave us the freedom in knowing that the gospel is all that matters. Preaching and proclaiming the gospel can be done without power and prestige, even without magnificent stone structures with steeples as tall as the skies. We can be the church as long as we have the gospel, the sacraments, and a gathering of the saints. That is what it means to be church. Preaching sacraments and the blessed saints. This is what makes a church a church. And nothing more. What this world needs, what this church needs, is for the blessed saints, i.e. you all, all of us, to be faithful in the proclamation and right administration of the sacraments. The church needs the blessed saints to show up, to show up and be faithful to the care of each other. And if one day this congregation should not exist, our legacy will be that we were faithful to the proclamation of the good news. We were faithful in the administration of the sacraments. We were faithful in the care of each other. That is how the world will remember us. For that is all that matters. May you continue to be faithful to the gospel. May you continue to be faithful in your care of the sacraments. May you continue to be faithful in your care for each other. And may you have the blessed assurance... That though our steeples might one day crumble, the church will stand. It will stand and be faithful to the gospel until Christ returns and makes all the world new.